Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good Friday afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, Dalton Stanford. It's the TGIF edition of the Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us this afternoon as we're broadcasting from our First Bank studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg and getting to wrap up another week of Southern Miss sports coverage. Got Xavier Thigpen on the show today. Great football player for the Golden Eagles through the Todd Munkin era, primarily. Uh, We'll have him on the show here in just a moment. Also going to be talking about AFC South NFL football as the NFL season, I guess, now is officially underway. And then, of course, uh, football camp starts today. Fall practice starting at Southern Miss, and we've got lots of football to discuss here in the next hour. Opening segment sponsored, as always, by our good buddies out of Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Uh, The two-for-22 deal is back in town, Dalton. You can get two two two-meat plates with two sides and a roll for just 22 bucks. That's that's not bad, especially for a broke college student. That's pretty good. So, uh... Take advantage of that at Dickie's Barbecue Pit. The two for twenty, two for twenty-two specials back. Easy for me to say, and of course, Dickie's uh, <laughs> remains the catering king of the Pine Belt. They can cater any event for you, large or small. You can just sit back, relax, and let Dickie's do the cooking. So, gather up a friend, go to Dickie's, and you can both just stuff yourself on barbecue and all kinds of good food for just twenty-two bucks. All right, Luke, glad to have our first guest in the studio, Xavier Thigpen, played for the Golden Eagles from 13 through 16, became a standout uh, defensive player for Southern Miss, and I think it's fair to say uh, was one of the leaders in the resurgence under Todd Munkin. Xavier, we're glad to have you on the Eagle Hour. Thank you. I'm glad y'all had me. Well, don't ever get in the radio business. I don't want you in the radio business with that voice. You'll take my job. You'll take my job within an hour, Xavier. So uh, let's let's end that right now, okay? Uh, All right, I got you. Several questions. How did you get the nickname Papaw? Well, it came from seventh grade. Um, my coach, Steve Cannon, he had gave it to me because uh, I was really practicing with the high school at a young age. And, you know, I was the youngest guy, so they always picked on me. And that kind of nickname stuck with me. I got you. And that stayed with you through college. So, so you It stayed you, with me through high school, college, all that still right, today. Right. So Xavier, you come on the you come on the the team in 2013 if all my information is correct. And that's the year Todd Munkin comes here and and you guys go all year without losing without winning a game. You win that last game at UAB. Then you find yourself just 2 years down the road winning the Western Division Championship of Conference USA. I think it's the most remarkable three-year period, really, in a lot of ways, in the history of Southern Miss football. What was what was that like, to go from the bottom to the top the way you guys did in that short period of time? Um, to be honest with you, I know a lot of people was unexpecting it, but like in-house, the coaches and players, we always had faith that we was going to turn things around coming out that 0-12 season before I got there. Uh, 
Coach Munkin first year, we went 1-11. and And being 0-11 is not fun at all. So around about game week eight, you're like, oh, man, why are we out here practicing? Why we, you know, like a lot of things start going through your head. But Coach Munkin always stayed with us through those times. And, like, his coaching style never changed. And um, it kind of stuck out to us on the last game. I mean, you know, that was my red shirt year, but I traveled with the team as well. And just the way they played. And Coach Munkin, what he said after the game, he said, guys, if you have fun tonight, just imagine what the next few years are going to be like if mm-hmm. you just buy into the system and trust it. And majority of the team did it. The guys that didn't, Coach Munkin gave them the boot, got them on the highway back to their hometown. And <laughs> we went to the Western Division and went to conference. But we lost conference, but we, we had a chance to win it. Xavier, how important was winning that game in 2013, that UAB game? How, how big a game was that for you guys? UAB is a natural rival for us. So for them to win that game and basically, honestly, we felt like we ruined their football season the, the next few years because, you know, after they lost that game, they kind of banned their football program. Mm-hmm. And just winning that game and the amount of points we put up, it's like we can do what everybody was doing to us that year to other people, not just a conference opponent, but we knew we was capable of doing it outside of our conference as well. Right. All right, Luke, get in here with uh, Xavier Thigpen. Paul Paul's uh, always – I used to substitute teach when he was in high school, okay? So I always were look, was looking up to him. He's about – like in eighth grade, you were already like 6'2 or something, weren't yeah. you? And what was amazing was people always wondered, because he was a great basketball player, but, but uh, Bob, people always wondered, how's that dude going to play college football? Because he's like 6'6 and he's like 215. <laughs> and, and Xavier, when you went to Southern Miss, that was one of the emphasis for them. For you to be able to play D1 defensive line, you had to bulk up, and, and you did. Yeah, I had to. As soon as I got to campus, I remember like yesterday, uh, I took my official at 175 soaking wet. Wow. And when I got on campus, I was like 180. And so, you know, it was like a few months later. And the end of my first year, I was probably like 200. And Coach Munkin, he just looked at me. I mean, of course, I was red shirt. He just looked at me and said, all right, in order for you to play next year, you know, you got to put some weight in your britches. So I was like, all right. You know, he never gave me no number. So I got up to like 220 thought it would be all right because, you know, I knew I you know, had the first step on a lot of people. And, I, you know, first step don't always win the battle. Sometimes you're going to need weight throughout the duration of the game. But, you know, he broke it down to me and made me understand it. And then and the most I weighed at Southern was 255. Yeah, and but you see that when you when anybody studies your career, it was your red shirt. You saw limited action, but then it that 2015 season, man, it, it took off. That's yeah. when you played in every every single game. How rewarding was it for you when you had put all that time in the weight room, and then you were actually you know you started playing as a starter and as a regular contributor? When I finally hit 235, the coaches looked at me and it was like, well, okay, now we see that you want to play. I said, yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't come down to waste my time, man. They actually gave me a shot and fall camp on starting on third downs. Well, actually starting on special teams. I was starting on every single special team phase there was, uh, well, besides punt. I was on onside kick, but not punt. And by me pressing hard in practice, you know, running on kickoff all the time, they said, well, let's see what he could do at, you know, third down since he's 235 pounds now. And I went out there, you know, produced a little bit. Got a, I was second in team in sacks that year. And camp, I had a pretty decent camp at defense and rushing. So me being out there on the field, I knew for myself I had to get a little bit more weight. So just getting that experience and Coach Monk and them trusting me in that situation, it made me have more trust in them just like they was getting more trust in me. It- it, it's pretty amazing. We had Coach Munkin on this show three months ago or so, and we look back now. Nick Mullins 
maybe pushing for the starting job for 49ers. T. Moore's out there with him. Um, you look at the, the other people you guys had, Sankster, uh, McHale, uh, Booth, you know, even played, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that – it, it was pretty remarkable how much talent were, was in the rebuilding program. I mean, you won, win one game, win three games, and then the turn when you won nine. Uh, did you realize at that time how much talent was was there with you? We did because uh, not not saying that our backup quarterback was you know that much of a talent differential, but when Nick Mullins went down the year we went three and nine, he went down for like six games. Yeah, and we won three games with Nick. So. You know that's kind of an error. So when we got the healthy Nick the next year, it reversed that record. It was nine and three, and we went to the um, heart of Dallas in the conference that year. So, I mean, you got a healthy, good quarterback. Then you know the potential is high. Right. Exactly. What um? Go ahead, go ahead Bob. No, I was, was going to ask Xavier. You see, you came in, you gained all this weight in your first couple of years. For for people that may not be familiar with the process, how do you go about gaining that much weight? And it be productive weight if you if you understand what I'm saying. Rest. Um, you need to rest and make sure you're recovering. I mean, going in there being macho man in the weight room is not all about it because you could go do that, you could tear it up. But if you're not recovering your body and resting it the right way, you're really just putting yourself in the fall to make yourself slower. So I mean, I just always made sure. Like I had break times in the middle of my night, I just pop up and drink a shake, and I make sure I go right back to bed. And like putting your phone down, fasting. I mean, fasting helped me a lot when I was gaining weight. All of a sudden, I put it on ten in a week, and it'll stay, and it'd be good weight. I mean, it have been times I put on bad weight, and I have to shed like five pounds to make sure I bring it back good. But you know that that's you know different body types. Mm-hmm. Bob, they uh they they had a schedule sometimes to put on weight that would make you and I just want to drool. Mm-hmm. I can remember Chris Clark. He plays for the Texans. He was a, a freshman, six six uh, two seventy. And Bob, I remember Coach Mitch uh, Rodriguez, our O line coach, got angry at Chris because he was playing basketball. And he said, all I want you to do is eat and do nothing. Just eat. Eat and do <laughs> I can nothing. Do that. Put on some of that frame. Yeah, we, 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 can, we can all do that uh, for sure. How, how rewarding was that 2015 season? It was season? very rewarding. I mean, just my first year actually playing. And because the three and nine year, I mean, we I played one game and one snap. And that was because um, my cousin Daz had a – Headache at the time, which, you know, we kind of skidded out before the game. I say, hey, Dad, you know, we get up by a certain amount of points. Let me get a third down rush in. And the following year it was 15, and it was very rewarding because um, seeing everything that I put into it in practice for the – because I was a scout player for two years, and yeah. I didn't mind it because I was going against the starters. So I didn't mind it at all. And going against the starters against another team, it was basically how I just took it to practice. You know. All right, everybody, we're talking to Xavier we're going, Thigpen. We're going to uh... – we're going to break. You can hang around for another segment. Okay. That'd be great. We'll, we'll talk first day of camp today, so we can talk some more about that. Okay. All right, Xavier Thigpen on the Eagle Hour. Everybody, stay with us. We'll be right back.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back, everybody. Glad you're with us on a Friday afternoon, broadcasting from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. No matter what you're looking for with the Southern Miss logo on it, they've got it from coffee cups to T-shirts. You can check them out on Hardy Street uh, six days a week, Monday through Saturday. You're listening in other parts of the state. You can simply go to campusbookmart.net, pick out whatever you want to buy, and they'll deliver it right to your front door. We're talking to Xavier Thigpen, former great defensive football player for Southern Miss. I got a couple questions for you, Xavier, and then I'll I'll turn it back over to Luke. First question is this: I want to take you back to to 14. I went out to Denton, Texas that year and watched you guys play North Texas, and you won that game that night. And I remember driving back uh, with my son and daughter-in-law that night to their home in Oklahoma, and and we just had the sense the football program had turned around, that Todd Munkin had turned things around. Then Nick Mullins gets injured. But looking back on that year, am I right in assuming that perhaps the turnaround – had begun to occur, and had it not been for that injury to Nick, we might have seen that nine-win season a year sooner. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're totally correct. And that nine-win season probably would have been a ten or better. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, that, that took a tragic on the team. Not not because you know um, we just knew we lost a brother, a brother that's willing to fight and put it all on line for us. Right, and uh, the North Texas game, like I say, I, to me was an indication uh, that things had had gotten turned. And I believe he got hurt the next week. Am I not correct about that? Yeah, versus on El Paso because we had to go to Texas two weeks in a row. As soon as we went to El Paso, I think it was like the second quarter. No, mm-hmm. Nick had tried to follow through on his throw and uh, ended up bumping it on somebody's helmet. And he popped that thing back in place, and it was on his right throwing. It was on his throwing thumb. He popped it back in place and put put a glove on there and finished the game. But wow, we we knew that he wasn't going to be out there the next week. Right. All right. Now, before I let Luke have you back, I, I noticed something that was interesting to me as well. In high school, as Luke pointed out, you were a great basketball player, but you were an all state, all region, and all district track and field athlete and you hold the west jones record for the discus at 167 feet uh so a track man too did you ever give any thought to running track here at southern miss uh well i did at one point but to be honest with you i didn't even know too many people knew about this side uh, <laughs> but I, yeah i had fun doing the track and field it was it was pretty enjoyable yeah so uh, and, and the discus was your specialty is that correct Yes, sir. I actually started running track because I was throwing a disc. Uh, the coach said, look, man, you, you too, you don't even look like a disc thrower. Come over here and try these hurdles. Well, I was too too long-legged, I guess. I mean, yeah, you got guys that got long legs that can get over those things like a deer, but I, I was just wanting to run the 400 and the 4x4. Four four. I, I didn't want to use my legs for that, so I go throw the disc and throw about two throws because I know I win the competition, and I just go over there and wait till I run. <laughs> <laughs> kind of scary, Luke, a guy that big that can uh, want to run to 440, right? <laughs> that well, that, And that explains why he couldn't ever gain weight in high school. Right, he was right. running on the basketball. I mean, the, really, the only time you worked out was in the summer. I mean, then you everything you'd put on, you'd shred in basketball mm-hmm. and, and, and discus. All right, big day today. Uh, Golden Eagles report yesterday. I talked to Jack Duggan yesterday morning. He said I was ta- he was taking headshots, you know. And, uh, moving into the dorms. Uh, everybody reporting some meetings last night. 
What do you remember about yesterday and today when you were there? It, you know, when everybody – you've been off, I guess, uh, a week or, or ten days from summer workouts, and everybody gathers back up. What do you remember about those times? Oh, uh, first in those ten days, I'm getting everybody on the defense ready because we finna get those heads looking all the same. Unless you got um, hair to come past your shoulders, we finna have a nasty cut. Uh, we line them up. We shave everybody. I'll be the first one in the chair. I shave myself. Then we just start going down the line. We start the D-line and – I mean, other than that, just the bonding after practice because most guys want to go home and lay down and rest and, you know, be up on the air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be up on the air conditioning in the film room too, but then you have those guys that stay in the film room and fall asleep watching film. Like, that's how we used to take our nap. Like, we let that put us to sleep rather than going home because after coming off the field, camp is an area to where it separates everybody. So after getting off the field, yeah, you take a shower, you go to the treatment room, and if you don't have waste that day, but but what are you going to do right after that? Are you going to go in there and, and grade yourself before the coach come down and grade you? If not, then why are you at count? You know, so it's just a couple of things that I, I remember and a couple of things that I missed. How many how many days of camp did it take before you hit a wall? Oh, I didn't hit a wall. You didn't hit a wall no, in camp? I didn't hit a wall. Every coaching staff that I've probably been a part of Southern Miss, you know, Monk and Staff and Hobson, that's it. I, I didn't hit a wall. Some of that's Wayne Graves in your life yeah. in high school. You know, everybody yeah. <laughs> knows that defensive coordinator, uh, legendary. But, yeah, I mean, you you see some guys, um, and it may be more on the offensive side, especially when there's, mm-hmm. there's new stuff or uh, there's just sometimes an overload of information, you know, and you, you hit the grind, you look up and – and uh, people are starting to come back on campus. You've been there. You're the only one there. All the buildings are shut down. But slowly, surely, you know, the campus starts waking up. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. We we lived in the old Van Hall for for uh, we had two a days, and we would we had basically eat every meal together. You know, way in, way out together, goof yeah. off. And it's what you said. It's the bonding times. And did you ever see? Because I saw this sometimes. There'd be some guys. Maybe my junior year. Maybe my sophomore year. I wasn't close to, but something in camp allowed me to get closer to them, and we developed a friendship that mm-hmm. way. And be a totally different position on the other side of the ball. It, it could be the specialist, the guy that don't even punt. He a backup punter. And man, him had a cool relationship just like me and Nick Mullins did. Like, yeah. That's a true story. And then he all all of a sudden he ended up being the starting point. So it was just like, man, this is crazy. You know, I never thought I'd come like conversate with you, but we're over here eating lunch together after practice every day. So you were you had two years of, of, of Coach Hop. Mm-hmm. Munkin and Hop, they run the camp any different or was there big differences or the same? Totally different. Uh but I think it had a lot to do with the NCAA rules, but it was just different. I remember my first year uh, we out to bed at six and we back in our dorm at ten thirty, and you, you don't come. You like you don't have a break in a day. Your break is at the locker room. And we McCarty Hall. You ever been on camp? McCarty Hall yeah. right there by the press. We didn't have time to go over there to McCarty. Now on the way camp set up, they got an off day for one. Like soft, <laughs> you, you soft. <laughs> they, they get an off day and uh, they have an hour lunch, I believe, but. I mean, you know, NCAA done changed so many rules that, you know, because now you can't be on the field if it's so hot. You got to go inside, wait till the temperature drop. You, you can't be in pads so many days. Yeah, we had two days in four pads one month. Yeah. So, I mean, part of that is is uh, part of that is just the nature of the way the game, you know, mm-hmm. has, has evolved. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, even when you look at it, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, you got to play for the, the offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. Coach Hobson done a great job, you know, in his first three years. Yes, yes, Coach Hobson has done a wonderful job, especially the hand that he was dealt, like as far as uh, scholarship offers and stuff, not getting 425. Coach Hobson has, like, he's done a very great job there. Right. 
Bob, uh, I, I can remember, you know, just moving in uh, to, to Van Hall and uh, just just the excitement that would build over and over again. I, I know back in the day when, when Van still existed, you, you covered some of that and just yeah. how cool this day was in so many ways to be able to – football season's officially begun. No question about it. And I guess, Xavier, if you've played like you have, this is always a, remains a kind of special time of the year. Am I right? Yeah, it do. I can like when y'all brought it up. I was like, man, I remember my first day of camp, like checking into McCarty and stuff. I was like, man, this is just reminiscing why y'all like we're we doing the show. I, I can't let I can't let you off the air without doing this. I'm so impressed with your voice. Have you ever heard of a, of an actor named James Earl Jones? Yeah, I, I actually have, but I never seen him. Okay, but, you know, he did a really Darth Vader's voice. He did a really oh, famous yeah. liner for the CNN News Network when he said. This is CNN. Would you do that for me, Xavier? Sure. <laughs> this is CNN. It's James Earl Jones. <laughs> James Earl Jones on the Eagle Hour, everybody. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm, I'm telling you, little little contract work, little voiceover work. Boy, I, mean, I mean to tell you, he's got he's got the pipes. You, hey. <laughs> you make fu- you know you make fun of me, Bob, about uh, sometimes during football season about my my uh, uh, intro speeches and if, it, it, well, right. if, if Xavier does those on Friday night, <laughs> it sounds a whole lot better. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, you're not. You're absolutely right. If you do another one of those twenty minute intros, could you maybe throw some coin over to Xavier and let him do them, Luke? I think I could. Uh, two, I think I could listen to him for twenty years. minutes. Talk. <laughs> I, I could too. How cool was it before? Before we let you go, I got a minute, minute left. How cool was it for you last fall to watch West Jones play at the Rock for the Man, state championship? Oh my God! First time in history, and it was at my college. I, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I can't. I walked out there, and it was like college atmosphere. Like Jones County, oh, I'm very proud of Jones County and West Jones because they they packed the rock like Southern Miss will and and are going to this year. Yeah, and they they lost, but making it there, people don't understand what it means. Right. So I mean, it was just um, unbelievable. And to be honest with you, speechless. Yeah. All right. That's 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 the way that I felt calling the game. Um, well, man, we appreciate you stopping by. Yes, sir. Um, Thank you for having me. Just cool. Local guys being willing to come by, and we think about you know how good of a player you were, and Bob, pretty cool to have guys like this uh, carrying uh, on the Southern Miss. Absolutely, man, and uh, look, we we appreciate everything you did for the program, Xavier, and a great, great interview, man. We're we're glad you came and came on the show with us. Yes, sir. Thank y'all for y'all support, All right. Xavier Thigpen. Everybody, Papa on the Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. 
Friday on the Eagle Hour, third segment brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Be sure to check them out on Facebook. See those weekly specials, daily specials. Great place uh, for you to go as a Southern Miss fan, 4th Street Bar and Grill. Bob, Luke, and Dalton from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. Big thanks uh, to Xavier Pawpaw Thigpen uh, for joining us in those first uh, two segments. And, and it is an exciting day, and it was good to hear, uh, Bob, his insight, Xavier's insight on, on this because this is the first day of camp. You've been working hard all summer. You get about a week break, and then you're back on campus, and, and it begins today with practice for the Golden Eagles. Well, you know, look, we talk to a lot of young kids from uh, athletes at Southern Miss, and they're all delightful. But every now and then you, you get these kind of special ones that you just sense a little something extra about their personality. I think Xavier is one of those kids. I thought that was a, a great conversation with him. I'm sure you agree. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, did you watch football's back last night? And and it, I, I watched I watched some of it. I didn't watch right. much of it. Right. But it, I did watch some of it. And uh, football's back. I mean, it was an NFL game. Yeah, it felt good. And it's August the 1st. Felt good to watch. It's a little early, and I'm not a huge preseason guy, but uh, yeah, I mean, I always kind of enjoy seeing it and, and knowing that it's just around the corner. And uh, that's kind of what leads us into this segue, right, Luke? Uh, you're getting so good at this. Uh, we're kind of taking a look at, at yeah. NFL uh, conferences. And so today, Luke and I are going to examine the AFC South for you good folks. And we're going to start out, Luke, in Jacksonville. I, I got to confess, we, we're, we're sensing a little traitor problem in our family my son and daughter-in-law live in jacksonville florida and i think morgan has become a closet jags fan in our redskin household he really won't come out and admit it but i sort of get that sense so we're going to start with the jaguars who are an interesting franchise you people may not realize that in 2017 jacksonville played in the afc championship game 2018, they only win five games. They go out during the offseason and they bring in a former Super Bowl MVP quarterback and Nick Foles. So he teams up with Leonard Fournette, Jalen Ramsey, Calais Campbell. They have a very talented football team. And I look for Jacksonville to make noise again this year in the AFC South. What would you think? Well, Bortles was uh, – he, he always had glimpses of being good, but then you felt like he was in some ways uh, just a, a distraction. He was one of those guys that, uh, you know, he that had some issues uh, last year inside the locker room, and, and those were reported on. Uh, so so Foles comes in and, and is going to breathe a breath of life, I think. And, and you've, you've never really seen Nick Foles – you know, basically be his own man because mm-hmm. here's the thing. Every time Nick Foles for the last three or four years is brought up, Carson Wentz's name is right after it. Well, what, you know, what's Foles going to, uh, what, well, what's going to happen to Foles when Wentz comes back? Or, you know, Foles is, is playing so good right now, uh, because he wants to try to unseat one, but it's always been Carson Wentz's team. This is the first opportunity that a team can be, you know, Nick Foles. And it's really, it's an interesting dynamic because I don't think we've ever had talked about a Super Bowl MVP in that way. Uh, but for for the the Jags specifically, Fournette has to stay healthy. 
He's been injury-ridden in his first two years in the league. Uh, that They've got to establish that. Jacksonville always has a quality defense. Uh, I'm, I'm biased on this one, but Logan Cook last year, you know, in special teams, he and, and the kicker down there, Cook was like, you know, top five in the league in like four or five categories. They'll win the battle of field position. They've just got to be able to be far more consistent on offense. Right. All right. Also in the league, uh, in that conference, the Tennessee Titans kind of quietly win nine games last year under Mike uh, Vrabel, who's his first year as the head coach. They bring Ryan Tannehill in, who was a starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, along with a couple of new vets, Cameron Wake and Adam Humphreys. Uh, they draft a really highly regarded uh, receiver in A.J. Brown. But is Ryan Tannehill the uh, man that can uh, continue uh, to win 9, 10, 11 games a year for Tennessee, Luke? Well, I mean, the, the reason that they bring in Tannehill is, is that Mariota's still your starter. I mean, he is. But he, he's kind of the same way as what I just talked about with Fournette. Uh, he has a lot of injuries. And right. so they, they didn't want to get in a situation this year with a, you know, a, a guy that maybe has started two games in his life. So they bring Tannehill in. Nobody really was, was chomping at Tannehill's, um, and who, who has displayed over the years, not consistently, but, you know, some flashes. And so Tannehill is the insurance option. And it's almost basically assuming that Mariota may get hurt. Um, one of the things that's going to happen with the Titans this year, you know, their first-round pick, Jeffrey Simmons, out of Mississippi State, he's not going to play because he's, he's still recovering from his ACL. So they may struggle for another year just because you may not see the, the uh, first-round impact because the kid's not going to play. But, I mean, you know, A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss, um, if he wants it bad enough, he, he could be – you know, extremely good up right. there. Just depends on you know whether he learns learns the scheme or not. I'm thinking it, this is a uh, they're going to finish fourth. I think. I don't think I, I see them finishing any any higher than right. uh, than that simply because of where they are. Right. This is a this is a, a really talent laden quarterback division now with Foles coming over because the Indianapolis Colts have Andrew Luck back last year. He comes back after missing an entire season, throws 39 touchdowns, passes for 4,593 yards. They win 10 games under their new coach, uh, Frank Reich. They had number 10 scoring defense. They've added three defensive pro bowlers to their roster. The Colts look like they could be trouble. The Colts, this is a bold statement, uh, especially with the Chiefs and uh, the Patriots in the, the, the AFC. I, I think the Colts are at least uh, – there's some people out there saying they're the best team in the AFC. I, I'm not buying that yet, but they're definitely a top three, maybe a top two team in the whole league. Andrew Luck is phenomenal when he's been healthy, and that's what he showed last year. The secret sauce, he's the he's he's uh, the front of it, but at the same time, Frank Reich, I don't know if you remember, he's the guy that guided the Bills back from that right. impossible win against the Oilers. Frank Reich has always been kind of an underrated guy who, who really outworks everybody else. And I think when you paired him with the pieces that they put in, they get some receivers back off of injury. The Colts, I think, are the, the, uh, the, the favorite going into to the season to win the AFC right. South. Houston Texans have won the division three of the last four years. They, of course, have a great young quarterback at Deshaun Watson out of Clemson through for 4,100 yards and 26 touchdowns last year. Great receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, over 1,500 yards. And, of course, they're known for defense, and they've got Clowney, they've got J.J. Watt. Uh, they're a load when it comes defensively. So you have to believe that uh, the, the Texans will be in the mix for the uh, division championship, Luke. 
Yes, if they can protect Watson. Watson was sacked a uh, NFL high 62 times last year. Interesting thought about him. He had to actually ride a bus to a game because he was experiencing some swelling, and they were saying if he flew, the swelling would increase. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he, he got banged up a lot last year, uh, more than any other quarterback. And that's a that's a guy, he, he's not, he's not going to be like a Lamar Jackson. Watson is more of a thrower than he is a runner. He can make plays with his feet. But they're going to have to protect him. And, and uh, th- that's just a team that if they – you know, if they get behind early in games, you don't know necessarily if they've got the offensive line it takes to to get back in the game to protect him well, well enough. I think you and I are on the same page here. If I were going to predict the division right now, I would look for the Colts to win the division, the Texans to finish second, the Jags to finish third, and the Titans to uh, pull up the rear. I'm with the Colts. I think that if Foles um, does what he what. If Foles does what he should do and Fournette only misses maybe one or two games, I think the Jags could push the Colts. I don't think they'll they'll beat them. But I can see the, the Jags splitting with the Colts in the regular season, uh, but losing a couple games they maybe should win. I can see the Jags being number two. The three and four, I'm with you, uh, Texans and uh, and Titans. And we should point out that the punter for Jacksonville was actually coached by none other than our main man here, Luke Johnson. Well, it's it's they've they've made a they've made fans out of me. I haven't purchased the Jags hat yet, but if I was going to have to cheer for two teams in the AFC, Jags would be first, Cleveland would be second. But yeah, I mean it. It's it was pretty special for me last year. I, it was three o'clock in India. Uh, I woke up and I was checking the draft status, and Logan gets drafted, and then uh, you know just to watch him play, you know, mm-hmm. follow on Twitter, and and then get to watch him play and and watch him you know be be really good. Right. He struggled a little as a rookie, but. Man, just the field position, and when you when you put field position with that Jags defense, uh, it, it's a dangerous. Well, I think you were out of out of town, but we had Logan on the show on uh, the day before the Fourth of July, and we revealed, and he confessed that he's the only man in Jacksonville that went out, took his NFL money, and bought him a camouflaged saltwater fishing boat that he concedes, Luke, he gets harassed about all the time. He gets harassed, but he's told me, too, about five miles offshore, he'll pull up to a sandbar, and people start hiding all kinds of stuff because they think he's a game warden. <laughs> it was a great interview. It is. We had his father on the show, and he didn't really know his father was coming on with us. And uh, so we get his dad involved in the conversation, and I spring it on him about the camouflage boat. And his reaction is, oh, no. And his father's going, I didn't tell him. I swear I didn't say anything to him about it. <laughs> all right. All right, Eagle Hour continues right after this. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 
Back in the First Bank studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel, fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by Gulfport Home Center. More room for you, more room for your family. Go see them in Gulfport or online, gulfporthomecenter.ms. Luke, Bob, and Dalton. Uh, We talked to Coach Mo on Wednesday, and he has hired a new assistant coach, Abby Barnum joins uh, the Lady Eagle soccer uh, staff. And so, man, just a, a lot of different assistants being hired. Uh, last year for the 2018 season, she was assistant coach at, at Rhodes College in Memphis. They had a winning season um, last year. So uh, welcome, assistant coach Abby Barnum. And, again, we should mention only seven days until soccer season with their exhibition uh, with LSU. Is it my imagination that we've just seen a lot of new coaches come on here in the last month or two from various sports? Yeah, I mean, well, you, Joy Lee, you know, part of it is you, you got a new softball coach and you got a new men's basketball coach, but Joy Lee signed, you know, a few. Uh, and Coach Mo gets a new assistant here. Uh, we, we told you earlier this week it looks like John Ellis, uh, the, the jump coach for track, is is on his way out, headed to a Power 5 program. Uh, so Coach Stewart will be hiring somebody else. But, yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, – and, then of course, with baseball, with Coach Creel and Coach Rhodes coming in. So, yeah, there's been a lot of lot of uh, hirings, and it's been because of you know some holes that needed to be filled. Right, right. I guess that's just the nature of the game, right? So, uh, so football practice is is now officially underway. Uh, what is our countdown? When, when is actually the first game, Luke? August thirty first. So we are twenty nine days and about four hours away. Six p.m. kickoff with Alcorn State yeah. in the Rock, and one hundred and ten degrees with ninety uh, percent humidity. Can I make that prediction? It's going to be glorious. Yeah, glorious. So, yesterday on uh, on Twitter, somebody had recounted Derek Nix's performance in the 99 game. You remember the Tulane game in 1999? They hyped it like 9-6-99. It was on Labor Day. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Right, right. It was 11 o'clock kickoff, and it was about – it was about 100 degrees with about 1,000% humidity. Tulane was wearing all white, and we were told later on that they said we were dying, and here comes Southern Miss in all black, and we knew the game was over before the game began. If we're dying in all white, they're about to kill us in all black. And You know, I, you know, I remember happened. I remember seeing Coach Bauer interviewed after the game about that and ask about that, and I remember vividly what his comment was. We wanted to show them that we're tougher than they are, and uh, it worked, it right? It worked. It worked. It, it did. It did work. But, uh, yes, yeah, so just to recap what happened yesterday uh, with preseason, Golden Eagles came in, uh, got checked in, got their physicals. Uh, Jack Duggan was taking some pictures yesterday. They were getting some last-minute uh, equipment checks, and then they had some meetings uh, tonight or last night. So a practice uh, has, has, has already gone on today, and we will be getting a, a practice schedule over the weekend to be able to share with you guys next week. All right, All right Dalton, if people want to hear the Eagle Hour, uh, Mr. Esquire, where can they go? Well, they can tune in here, or after the fact, they can go online to uh, to Spotify on their phones, or they can tune in on the iTunes podcast app. They can listen on Google Play Music. They can go to supertalk.fm and listen via SoundCloud, or they can check us out on Stitcher. Did you ever think, Luke, there'd be that many different ways to listen to us? I mean, I just find that still simply kind of <laughs> stunning. 
They are, and they're and they're easy to access too. They are. I've always told you guys that I have a podcast app. It comes default with your iPhone, and you just click on it and just search for Eagle Hour, and it pops up, and you're listening uh, to Bob's opening mantra in like ten seconds. I mean, it just it happens. Spot- it's easy to do. Spotify is the same way. You can go on there if you're subscribed to Spotify Premium, and you can just look up the Eagle Hour, tap follow, and. It'll update it every so often whenever you get a new episode. I think we should get Xavier Thigpen to do our open. This is the Eagle Hour. Listen or I'll come visit you in the middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Is he as as mean as he sounds, Luke? He seemed like a really great, nice kid, but the boy. Boy, does he sound like a a warrior from Star Wars. I gotta be honest, if I had nope. that voice when I was in high school, I probably would have used it for evil. Because, oh, I mean, yeah. with that kind of voice, how could you not prank uh, how, call somebody? How could you not have fun with that kind of voice? Yes. Hey, yes. He, he knows this because I've known him for a long time. He's a softy. He puts on this hard front, and he's probably laughing in his car right now. Listen to that, uh-huh. but but he's a softy. So the, so the voice is needed to portray exactly what you're saying, Bob. He's so, not as mean as his his appearance and his sound is what you're saying. The the bark is far more than the bite. I guarantee. You. <laughs> Quite a number of kids from uh, from your alma mater, West Jones, have made their way to the to the Rock. Have they not? Well, I mean, when you got Jim Stump Taylor leading the pack, it, right. it's hard not to follow, oh, right? But yeah, there's yeah. been several guys: Desmond McCullum, uh, Britt Barefoot, me, Paul Paul uh, Stump. I mean, there, there's been several. Uh, Terrell Omer uh, came right after uh, Stump, and yeah, I mean, there's uh, a lot of lot of uh, history there with West Jones, and good to know that there's more than kickers uh, that, that come out of uh, West Jones. But we can say that that. It was all started by the Stumpster. Is that is that a fair statement? He was the first. He was the first. Back the, back in the days of Morse code, Bob. Right. Remember that. The legend, <laughs> the myth, the man, Stump Taylor. We'll be back Monday at one o'clock. Until then, everybody, Southern Miss. To the top. Into the future I want to fly like an eagle To the sea Fly like an eagle Let my spirit carry me I want to fly like an eagle Till I'm free Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.